All right. Can I pray over you real quick before oh, yeah. you get started? That would be great. By, by the way, I have something for you. You have something I for I was me? thinking about the made in the image, you know, of God. Yeah. Now, you were talking about dust. All I can, I'm a huge fan of Calvin and Hobbes. Okay. Calvin and Hobbes. Strip. Great my, choice. My family has a couple that I have framed. They're up on my wall. One of them's got Calvin in his underwear doing this. Yes, sir. Made in God's image. And Hobbes is behind him staring at him going, God must have a goofy sense of humor. I don't know how I'm supposed to take that. But, okay. All right. All right. Let's pray. Lord God, I pray that you will straighten up Scott immediately because his sense of humor has got issues. I'm kidding. All right. Lord God, I, I pray that you will uh, open Scott's heart and mind today, that you will allow him to um, bring forth the words that you would have him carry, the message that you would have him carry. That in this moment, this time, this place, that he would be a conduit for your Holy Spirit. That you would remind him of the things that he has prayerfully and thoughtfully considered and prepared. Mm -hmm. That will bring glory to you. And if you take him off track via the Holy Spirit, that's okay too. I pray that he will be open to that. Father God, we are thankful for his commitment to your church, to your people, and to your mission the most important thing, the reason the church exists is mm. for your mission. Mm. And uh, thank you for his commitment to help see your gospel spread across the globe. Let our hearts be open today as we hear the message he is to bring, as we hear of your work all around the world, mm. and we bring honor to your son. It is in Jesus' holy name that we pray. Amen. 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 Thank, thank you, my brother. Good morning. Drop this down just a little further. That way you can see me. I uh, used to be a uh, member of a uh, Disciples of Christ Church. I don't know if you've ever been to one of those places. They have everything that's all wooden. And so when I preach, it's convenient for people who don't want to see me. So I guess that works out. It's great to be here this morning. I thank you so much for your invitation. Uh, as Rob explained, uh, my name is Scott Soden. I am the uh, coordinator of Global Partners for the Brethren Church. So in a nutshell, my job is to build bridges everywhere I go, uh, from churches in the United States to churches around the world, but not just that way. You know, bridges are an awesome thing because they are a two-way way of, uh, of traveling, so you can get to churches and you can get from churches and they can connect to each other. So in my role, my job is also to connect the churches around the world to each other, to us and build new ones as we go along. That's a pretty exciting, exciting job. Uh, my wife and uh, my two daughters are here with me today, so Barbara and uh, Katrina and Victoria back in the back there where they love to hide. Uh, <clears throat> no surprise there. Uh, but uh, we moved to Ashland, Ohio about one month before the pandemic began. Uh, just a tip for you. You probably should see if you can schedule these pandemics a little better so that if you're going to move, you do it way before that. A little difficult to come in and, you know, we're from Wyoming, so uh, moved from, from Cheyenne, Wyoming, where we've lived all of our lives, uh, and get into Ashland, Ohio, and then get told, oh, by the way, you're working from home, don't know how long that's going to last. So I moved 1,400 miles to do exactly what I was doing in, in Wyoming, that, that made sense. <laughs> It worked out great, though. It's, a, it's been a great, uh, a great opportunity. Uh, we obviously have been back in the uh, office for quite a while. And uh, the good news is God is still doing amazing things uh, with and through the Brethren Church and, uh, and our partners, not only in the United States, but around the world. It's pretty exciting stuff. 
This morning, what I want to share with you a little bit is, is what God is doing around the world. But I want to give you a couple of statistics because there's some things you should know about. Number one is, uh, you know, when we look at the pandemic and we look at all the deaths that we've been dealing with uh, worldwide right now, uh, estimates vary around the world. Uh, between five and six million people have passed from COVID. Uh, it looked like for a while the United States was leading. Uh, the reality is there are many places where the numbers just aren't being told. So Peru, India, uh, South America especially, there are countries that have actually surpassed us in that. Uh, but the important part is a pandemic isn't just about the, the issue of, of the virus. It's all of the other pieces that are connected to it. So in, in this role, um, getting an understanding of what's still coming is really critical. Uh, the UN estimates that because of the pandemic, because of the lockdowns and all the other things, an estimated 150 million people worldwide will die in the next two years from starvation. They've also come to let us know that the uh, uptick in human trafficking has increased between 25 and 35 percent uh, worldwide. So that's a, a huge shift. And depending on where you are, the numbers uh, become astronomically higher than that. Uh, some areas they're seeing um, more trafficking than you can begin to imagine. So this pandemic has really shifted and reshaped our world, and it is causing all sorts of anxiety, depression, and, and frustration around the world. Uh, we're seeing all sorts of interesting things happen and, and, you know, as we talk about what's happening in our country, you know, from the capital to Portland, we're seeing a lot of anger, anxiety, frustrations, and we think that's kind of endemic to us. Um, just so you know, that's happening everywhere. Just prior to the pandemic, Chile was in the midst of full-blown uh, riots and protests over uh, taxation. Uh, Colombia was having some issues and is currently having some issues with, uh, with that type of protest uh, as well. China, whether they want to tell you it or not, uh, is also having this. So worldwide, we're seeing, you know, people don't realize how interconnected we have become. And when you have to change things, when you have to reshape uh, our world, it affects everyone and everything around. So the hard news is, Although we are beginning to come out of this and we can talk freely, and I'll tell you what, I'm so glad to not have to wear a mask right, right at this moment, feel so freeing. Uh, that is not true of a lot of places. A lot of, uh, a lot of your brothers and sisters around the world are still struggling with that. Um, and there are a lot of things we still have, have to, to overcome. The amazing thing is this really isn't that much different than it was 2,000 years ago. 2,000 years ago, you go back to Israel and... Uh, the Roman Empire ruled the world, and they pretty well ran that thing with an iron fist. If they told you they wanted a census, well, you got up, you picked up, and you went to uh, whatever hometown that you were from, and you had to prepare for a census. We read about that in the scriptures, so we recognize that's true. And we recognize that they had a military uh, might that was unparalleled. They would come in and they were pretty brutal about how they stamped down and clamped down on protesters and, and uh, uh, riots in their time. So the things that we're seeing now really aren't that much different than they were 2,000 years ago. The world just got a lot bigger and we got a lot more interconnected. But the cool thing is, is we recognize that if the same things are happening in the world, then the same God who created it, is still at work in the world. And that's what I want to tell you a little bit about today. 
I think about the, uh, the words that uh, we read in, in John 5 as I begin in this. And I, I'm really excited about this because, you know, Jesus is having a moment here where he is uh, he's talking to people and he's, he, he's doing some healings uh, and he's doing it on the Sabbath, which is always fun. That, that never tends to uh, bother anybody at all, right? When you're religious leaders, that's... <laughs> Oh, please go ahead, just do that. That's not going to bother us at all. Now, we recognize that it uh, tends to upset the status quo. We read in John 5, verse 1, that sometime later, Jesus went up to Jerusalem for a feast of the Jews. Now, there was in Jerusalem, near the uh, sheep gate, a pool, which in Aramaic is called uh, Bethesda. And which, see, I, I love these things. I've discovered, I've discovered as I got older, yeah, my eyesight's a little bit different now. And I used to teach, tease tall people when I would stand up and like, they're like down here. No wonder you have to have glasses. Yeah, I get it now. Here a great number of disabled people used to, used to lie, used to lie. The blind, the lame, and the paralyzed. One who was there had been an invalid for 38 years. When Jesus saw him lying there and learned that he had been in this condition for a long time, he asked him, do you want to get well? Sir, the invalid replied, I have no one to help me into the pool when the water is stirred. While I'm trying to get, someone, get in, someone else goes down ahead of me. Jesus said to him, get up, pick up your mat, and walk. And at once the man was cured. He picked up his mat, mat and walked. And the day on which he, this took place was a Sabbath. And so the Jews have said to the man who had been healed, it's a Sabbath. The law forbids you to carry your mat. Yeah, that's, that's the issue here, right? Carrying the mat. But he replied, the man who made me well said to me, pick up your mat and walk. So they, they asked him, who is this fellow who told you to pick it up and walk? The man who was healed had no idea who it was. For Jesus had slipped away into the crowd. And later, later Jesus found him at the temple and said to him, See, you're well again. Now, stop sinning and, or something worse may happen to you. A little indication that Jesus was exactly who he said he was because he recognized some of the things that had put him in the place that he was in. The man went away and told the Jews it was Jesus who made him well. Now, this is the, the piece that I love to get to. So because Jesus was doing these things on the Sabbath, the Jews persecuted him. Jesus said to them, My Father is always at His work to this very day, and I, too, am working. I want to stop right there. My Father is always working to this very day, and I, too, am working. You know, the amazing thing about ministry is that no matter where you go, no matter where you are, God is always there and he's always doing ministry. He does it in the small things every single day that we don't see. He see we see it in the microscopic when we look through the uh, microscope and we suddenly see the, the beauty of God's creation in all of its glory at the microscopic level. And we see it at the macroscopic level when we stare up into the stars at the night, right? And we see the heavens displayed in an amazing array of colors and delighting the senses. I love looking at the stars at night because you suddenly realize just how vast the universe is and just how big our God is. And that God, who spun all of that out of nothing, is still at work in our lives 
today. But the question that the people had even then, 2,000 years ago, is the same question we have today. God, what are you doing? Now, sometimes we say it with a little bit of reverence. God, what are you doing? This is amazing. I can't believe this. And other times we look at God and we're like, God, what are you doing? This is not the way it was supposed to go. Trust me. Again, moving from Wyoming to during a pandemic, not the way it was supposed to go. God, what are you doing? And then there are those moments where we're like, God, do you even exist? This was the, the cry that so many were having when they were being crushed by the, the, the Romans and being just stifled by their own religious leaders of the time. You must obey the laws. You must do this. You must do that. It was always about the letter of the law, not the spirit of the law. They totally missed the point. So they were crying out, God, what are you doing? And I know that over the last few weeks, you've gotten to hear some of the things that God is doing, whether it's in church planting or, or things within the, the country. I want to tell you a few things that God is doing in the world. You see, right now, even in the midst of a pandemic that has reshaped everything, God is restoring hope. God is restoring hope. Now, I'm not kidding you about the, uh, the statistics. 150 million worldwide are expected to, to die of starvation. There are people literally in uh, both Peru and in India that I have met and talked with who are right now trying to find oxygen just to survive. Medical systems have collapsed, and it's really difficult. And yet, even in the midst of this, God is restoring hope. And let me show you a few ways he's doing this. He's doing this through the church by meeting practical needs worldwide. And I want to show you a few great slides because this is what the church is doing here in the United States, but especially around the world. Even when you have places with very few people who are able to do God's work, they find ways to gather supplies, food, uh, sanitary th issues or supplies, and they take these things out, children's books, all sorts of things, and they begin to, to take care of the people because the people are the piece that God is most, most uh, focused on. Church is a building. It's an important place to be. It's a great place to gather. But the church is the people. And when the people are being the church out and about in their communities and in the world, what a difference it makes. The pictures you're seeing there on the left is uh, in South Africa. We were able to help out a little bit. Um, you can go back just a second. The one on the left is South Africa. The top one is in Lima, Peru. Uh, Luis Angel and his wife were uh, going all over uh, Lima, very large city, and working to help people find food and, and help. God continues to restore hope by meeting practical needs uh, throughout South America. You can go to the next slide. You'll see uh, Ticlio Chico on the top, which is a small, very, very poor uh, neighborhood in uh, uh, Lima. And on the left-hand side, this is, I can't wait to tell this story here in a few. This is a little, uh, little town uh, outside of Asuncion, Paraguay, known as Itagui. And uh, the people are, the church is feeding people every day. In fact, current counts right now, church of 60, 900 people a day, twice. That's pretty cool. That's supernatural. That's the power of God doing some amazing things. 
God is restoring hope worldwide. Yeah, you can clap for God because he's doing it. God is meeting needs worldwide. You can go to the next slide. You'll see a little more of that. The top one is a, is a school house in South Africa. Uh, in South Africa, when they shut everything down, it meant the kids didn't get to eat. Most of these children would go to school. They would get their one meal a day until the weekend. With the lockdowns, guess what they didn't get? So our partners there and their partners there started working through trying to figure out how do we do this. They made it so that it was all separated out. We had way more than six feet in, of distance between families and they were able to gather food. They created community pots in, in different places, in uh, Argentina, in Paraguay, in the Philippines, in, uh, in Peru, all over. Uh, they met practical needs. More than that, though, this pandemic doesn't, doesn't really care about times or, or places or events or holidays. So, you know, while some of us were trying to figure out how we would celebrate Thanksgiving and Christmas, others were doing the same thing. But when you're in the middle of a pandemic and you're in the middle of trying to figure out just how to eat, it's pretty hard to help children have a good time for Christmas, right? To find hope. Well, guess what? The church is, is working because God is restoring hope. And in Peru, two of our partners were able to do community Christmas projects where every child in the area got a, got a Christmas present. We had some different people come along and said, hey, how can we help out? So we sent a little extra uh, funding along the way, and they were able to reach out and do this both in Ticlio Chico, that really, really poor neighborhood, and in Pucasana, uh, where they have a school and they're working through that community. Um, and, then, and, our, and our church people there put, their, put themselves on the front lines every day because not only are they doing things like this, but they're also putting themselves in harm's way because many of the places do have COVID. And in fact, uh, Elena and uh, uh, Pukasana and her son Isaac, who uh, have been working with medical clinics everywhere, uh, been working with their communities, both contracted COVID, um, and Elena was, uh, was very nearly uh, taken home because of that. Now, I will tell you some interesting things. Here in the U.S., we get COVID, Colin and I were just having a little conversation about, about his time with that. We recognize we've got hospitals we can go to, different places like that. Um, these guys were so busy taking care of everybody else, they didn't see their own warning signs. So when she realized, when Elena realized how bad it had gotten, she went out and uh, her, her son took her to the hospital in uh, Lima, Peru, which meant he had to run some barricades. That can always be fun. Uh, stood in line six hours to get some cold medicine. After that, he decided they'd go to a private uh, clinic and see if they could get some help. When they went there, this private clinic usually runs $1,000 U.S. a day. When he walked up to the front doors, it was $9,000 U.S. a day. Yeah, changes things, doesn't it? He was able to buy, purchase two bottles of oxygen, which, by the way, four days later, were quadruple the price, and you can only get them off the black market. He took those back to, to uh, uh, Pukasana. But here's what's amazing. When God is working through you to do things for your community the way that God has been working uh, in that area through Elena and her son, the clinics came to them. And every day a nurse would come from the clinic and come and check and make sure she was doing better. She's, she's recovered or mostly recovered, still has a few things, but uh, uh, she and her, and her son are back at work at this moment continuing to 
work with God, restoring hope in their entire area, bringing food and supplies, and uh, you'll see here in a minute, resupplying medical clinics. God is meeting practical needs uh, worldwide in India as well. Uh, up there, I don't know if you know, but uh, uh, we have uh, over 100 churches in India that, are, that call themselves part of the Brethren Church. 100 churches in India. In fact, here's an interesting statistic. The church in India is larger than the church in the United States. As Brethren go. It's pretty exciting. The guy uh, who uh, started all of that, Prasant Kumar, uh, passed away. And he didn't die of COVID. He, uh, he, he just passed through uh, many different things. But his wife, Nirmala, continues even in her grief to, to reach out to communities. They've had to shut down many of their ministries, but they continue to work uh, every day. She's called me several times just crying because there's so much need and she can't do it all. And yet God is still using them to restore hope. Next slide. He's restoring hope by supplying medical clinics. Some of the, the work that uh, our, uh, our partners do around the world changes lives because we recognize the need in these small villages and these remote areas uh, for supplies. Uh, masks, oxygen, uh, just clean you know, uh, personal protective equipment because these uh, frontline workers also have to get in, in, involved in this. And so there's some, there's some serious... Um, chances going on here and they were able to, to do that God is restoring hope worldwide through the church but God is doing something else something else that's amazing I love talking about we talk about us going did you guys go online did you guys do online services here yeah, yeah. a little bit weird a little bit different right now imagine if you're in a developing country that's really different right and yet God is restoring hope and God is doing amazing things by creating new connections through virtual church services and prayer meetings. I don't know if you, uh, and you can go to the next slide. Um, I don't know if you know this, but most of, our, uh, most of our partners around the world also had to do the same thing. In fact, right now, uh, Colombia just came out of a lockdown. Argentina has had intermittent ones. Peru uh, has been very difficult for them. They're still in a lockdown. But even through it, even though they haven't been able to get out and connected as much, God has found, helped the church find new ways to connect and create community through these same things. What's really amazing is that if you go to Colombia, and I love talking about these guys, if you go to Colombia, you want to see the poster children for how to do this well, that church, five churches gathered together in, in the city of Medellin, have done the most amazing services that you will ever see. The quality of the worship is, is second to none. And the irony is, they're all in different households. Playing guitars, singing, playing, uh, playing the keyboard. And yet it sounds like they're on stage at a rock concert. It's that well done. But what's even more exciting is that because the smartphone, these little things that we carry around uh, all over the place, do you know that every place on the planet has these now? There is more internet connection around the world than there is people who, who have food, which is kind of surprising. When I went to India in 2019, uh, I was kind of surprised 
people were asking for help uh, going to the clinics and things like that, but everybody carried one of these because that's how they kept connected. That's how they knew what the news was. That's how they were able to, to find out what was happening or look for, for other resources. So everywhere around, everybody's got that. If you go to Columbia, the first thing they did is they created what was called a virtual uh, lobby. So when we come in here, I know she had the awesome coffee area over here. Everybody gathers, greets everybody. Tracy's back there. You know, we're, uh, we're everybody's so excited to see each other. Imagine doing that online. It feels a little odd. But I'll tell you what, when you get people who are up here on stage and they are in real time reading the greetings and, and, and connecting back and forth, and here's this guy in, in Ashland, Ohio, chiming in, hey guys, how you doing? And they stop and say, Scott, from, from, the, from the United States. And they will do it in English and in Spanish so everybody knows what's going on. And it's, it's a great time. They're greeting everybody. And then suddenly you watch and you watch the little bar on the side and people are like, hey, Scott, I remember. When I went to Argentina, it wasn't, hey, Scott. It was, hey, Katrina's dad. My daughter spent four months down there. So nobody cared I was there, but they definitely knew who she was. So, you know, hey, Katrina's dad, how are you doing? Those things are really exciting. We're seeing, we, we've seen that God is using these types of things to create a whole new type of connection. Don't know what it's going to look like in the future, but I will tell you what, you can go to the next slide. That'll show you, this is kind of what you'll see, you'd see in Colombia. Now they're really excited. Today is their second day back into physical, you know, in-person uh, meetings, and, and they're really excited about that. One of the other things that I'm excited to tell you about is that by learning these things, we've discovered new ways of connecting each other. Uh, during the pandemic, we were able to do an online gathering of, uh, uh, of people all over the world just for time of prayer. And so we were hearing prayers, and I had one guy, a gentleman, uh, Walter Romanengi, I don't know how many have been to Argentina, but uh, neat guy, um, he, he writes to me and says, hey, Scott, I don't, I don't speak English really well. I don't want you to speak English. I want you to pray in your language. God and the Holy Spirit will take care of the rest. We're not worried about that one. So you get into this virtual prayer meeting with people all over from every country that you can think of that the brethren are praying and praying in their native language. You have people praying in Spanish, English, Filipino, Telugu, Zulu. That was different, definitely different. But it was exciting. You hear people praying in their native languages. There's something that just comes out. When we all come together and we allow the Holy Spirit to connect us and suddenly change the way we're seeing each other, I don't care how far apart the world is. I don't care that you know it's 3,000 miles to, to, to Argentina or 5,000 miles to Africa. In that moment, we were all together in one place, and God changes everything through that. It's an amazing thing, and we're looking forward to seeing more of those types of events happen because what we discovered afterwards was we gave about 30 minutes, and everybody just started talking to each other. They hadn't seen each other in forever. Some of them had come in 2009 for, for, different, uh, for, for the uh, 300th anniversary of the Brethren Church, they were really excited, and they got to see each other for the first time since then. Oh, yeah. They almost didn't know how you, how do you end something like that? They're having such a good time talking to each other. God is doing something by creating this. We get annoyed by it. Go ahead and click that button, if you would. That is the, uh, uh, some, of the, some of the people who were able to attend that meeting. As you can see, they're from all over the world. God is doing something because God is 
finding new ways to create connection. So what is God doing? What is he up to? God is transforming lives. I don't, know if, I, I don't know if anybody's aware of this, but even in the midst of a pandemic, God is still transforming lives. He's still changing us. He's still rearranging us. He's still working within us to create all sorts of amazing things. God is still taking us to places where we get to have connections with other people and tell them our story. And everybody's story is a little bit unique and different, right? But that's the beauty of it. I was talking to a college person the other day who was telling me, you know, I'm really depressed about my story because my story, I always knew who God was. I just kind of figured it out when I was 10 and then said, you know what, and I'm talking to my parents, my grandparents, I, you know, accepted him fully and officially and then, and then I was baptized and that just kind of changed things. But I don't have this big, great story. I said, well, tell me about what God's been doing with you since then. Oh, man, you want to talk about a story. Two hours later, he's still telling me about what God has challenged him with and how he's changed his heart and how he's helped him to see people in a new light, see his family in a new light. That is transformation. See, God is at work in the world transforming lives. And even in the midst of a, of a uh, crisis that has reshaped us, he's still doing it through baptisms, faith, even in this crisis. Those are from Argentina, Peru, and Colombia. They were doing baptisms in the middle of this. In, a, in uh, Puerto Maldonado, they baptized six people uh, in the river. So it's all outdoor. That made it a lot easier, right? <laughs> six people were baptized. This is a church of 30. That's pretty exciting news. That's really exciting news. The, uh, the church in Colombia baptized 14 that morning. The church in uh, several churches in Argentina. Five, three, six. God is adding to the number daily those who are being saved because God is always at work transforming lives. Now here's the other amazing thing. God is also doing some really exciting things because God's always at work, right? My father is always at work and so am I. Well, God is transforming lives and God is sending his people. One of the, the joys of my job is to go out to different churches and talk to people. Tell me what God is doing in your church. And, and just listening, I already heard somebody's on their way to Uganda. That's exciting news. I really want to hear some more about that story. I love hearing about churches that are engaged. I don't care if they're going out with, the, with, with our partners or if they're going with group missions or anybody else. I just want to know that God is doing something in your church that, that is bigger than you are, the bigger than we are. That's the exciting news. And I don't want to do it just because I want to know it. I love knowing stories. And I love to gather stories. But I want to do it because I want to celebrate that and I want to tell other people, guess what I just heard? Because God is still sending his people. Each and every day, even in the midst of the, of the crises that we keep finding ourselves in, he is sending his people. Last weekend, my wife and I uh, and my daughter, uh, no, it was just my wife and I in this one, went to Smithville Brethren Church um, and got an opportunity to uh, commission uh, a couple of uh, really great people. You can click the side and I'll show you them. Uh, the top left corner, that is Andrew and Sarah McGinnis. In just a couple of weeks, they will be on their way with their newborn daughter to Cameroon, working with Wycliffe Bible translators. He is going to be a chaplain. She will be a school teacher. They'll be working with missionary kids. 
Because even in the midst of that, you still need to have support staff working. They're going to go do that. They're going to work with them. And they're going to be working with the people in, in Cameroon. Now, ironically, if you know, anybody knows Sherry uh, Van Dyne and Ken Van Dyne, Sherry's daughter and son-in-law, are also in Cameroon. Oh, where could they be? Oh, the same place. We just found that connection not too long ago. So we're really excited about that. God is still sending his people. The young lady in the uh, upper right-hand corner is, uh, yeah, I had to look back, uh, is Amy Collette. Do you guys know North Manchester Brethren Church in Indiana? She went uh, to Malawi with a group and never came home. She stayed in Malawi. She does work with uh, orphans and with uh, refugees um, and continues to be sent through her own church. We're really excited about that. We're trying to figure out how do we come alongside her, tell other people her story, and get people engaged in what she's doing because God is doing something with his people. On the, uh, the lower corner there, that is the White family out of the uh, Three Seasons Church. They are currently serving in Poland. Did you know we had brethren in Poland? Isn't that cool? I can't speak a, a lick of the, word, the language. Uh, they can, and that's good because there's a lot of strain. If you've ever seen the uh, alphabet in Poland, it's a, the Polish alphabet, that's a little difficult to, to do, but no more difficult than Telugu, I'm assuming. It's exciting to know that God is doing something because God is still at work and he's sending his people. These are just a few of the people that we know who have been sent around the world. There's a group coming, going out of uh, North Manchester just to go and spend some time uh, with Amy and do some ministry. We're excited to, to hear about their story when they, go, they come back. There are church, uh, a couple that are going out of uh, the Five Stones Church who are going into ministry and, and doing, uh, getting ready to go into the mission field. God is sending his people, and he's doing it through the Brethren Church, through other churches, through our partnerships with different groups. We want to know about that because we want to celebrate it, and we want all of you to know that God is doing something with all of us. So again, what is God doing? What is God doing in the world? Well, you know what? God is advancing his kingdom. God continues, even today, to advance his kingdom. And he's doing it by planting churches in new places. In the Philippines, you're going to see that uh, even, even though that... Uh, it, COVID kind of delayed it. They were already on their way. They moved from one church to three churches to five churches to seven churches, and now they are up to ten churches. They had to find ways to get around it because uh, as they were ready to launch their tenth church, COVID kind of shut everything down, so they had to, to scale it back a little bit. But they have since then started talking again, figuring out how to, uh, to gather the people together, and they're going to launch their tenth their tenth church. But not only that, um, three of the churches that just kind of connected with them were all non-denominational. And they saw what they were doing and they wanted to know, how do we get to be a part of this? We're excited about what you're doing. Can we come join you? So they spent over a year in prayer and in conversation before they decided, yeah, this is us. We want to be this. God is advancing his kingdom in the Philippines through church planting. God is advancing his kingdom through church planting in Kenya. There's a, a, a church in Indiana who is connected to a, a gentleman by the name of Nixon Terrer in Kenya. And they are 
on their own, sending Bibles, helping out with, uh, with different pieces, and they are gathering people in droves to, to worship, to pray. They're seeing people healed. They're seeing people uh, have their lives transformed, and they're doing baptisms all over the place. And that is so exciting, because even though they aren't officially brethren, you can tell how I feel about that one. <laughs> God is using them to advance his kingdom. And hopefully, as, as Nixon and I have talked, they may connect with, with a, another church in the area. God is planting churches in Paraguay. Now, here's what's the amazing thing with them. These are the guys I was telling you about. Um, this little church of 60 in Asuncion, Paraguay, the largest city in Paraguay, um, started trying to figure out how can we do something uh, during this pandemic because they saw people were, were struggling like crazy. You can't get out to work, no food, uh, you know, supplies. How do we help out? So they went to a small town just outside of the city that they were already kind of connected to and started partnering with a couple of other local churches to feed people. And it went from a couple of hundred people a day to 300 people a day to 600 people a day to now 900 people a day that they are feeding. And when I talk to, to Pastor uh, Juan Carlos, uh, he tells me, he goes, it's supernatural because we're, we're a really small church. And now that community has said, we want to be a part of what you're doing. So they are building a building. They've started Bible studies and they've started working together. The food that comes, it isn't from the church so much as it is from everybody in the community bringing what they have throughout the week. And they gather them together in these huge pots and they make you know, chilies and goulash and, you know, all sorts of uh, amazing dishes that they then spread out and everybody gets some. You want to talk about Jesus feeding the 5,000? Jesus just fed the 900 fairly easily, doesn't he? And, and when you consider twice a day, that's pretty impressive. But more than that, they started, uh, started talking to some other pastors who wanted to get involved. And they said, you know, we have this little town, this little area over here we're working with, and they're struggling just as bad. So they went over uh, to, to uh, Ikawe, which is another little area, started doing the same thing. Guess what? New church is starting to be birthed there, and now they're working on their third one. In the middle of a pandemic, in the middle of being told, this is impossible, you can't do this. Hmm. So you're telling God what he can and cannot do? Good luck with that. God is advancing his kingdom. He's planting churches. He's planting churches in South Africa. This is my favorite piece because South Africa, uh, we, we started talking to uh, this group back in 2016 came to a conference, they were working with uh, the, Ashland, the university in Ashland and uh, the, I'm trying to think of, the uh, Office of Christian Ministries connected, uh, the, the, the university sends mission trips to this particular nonprofit all the time, uh, goes, goes to South Africa every, every summer, sometimes uh, during spring break, and they go and join them and, and get to do some really incredible ministry. In fact, the ministry is so powerful and the connections became so powerful that several people got married throughout the whole thing. So uh, Sandile, who is the, the uh, leader uh, in South Africa, his wife is named Abby. She is a graduate of Ashland University, and now they have four kids. So it's amazing what God can do. 
Over this conversation and through all these connections and connecting points, uh, Sandile started talking about what does it look like for us to become brethren. And we had a long conversation in the middle of this. Why do you want to be brethren? Well, I'd like to talk to you about ordination. Why do you, why do you want to be ordained? What is that going to, you know, why would you want to do that? He says, well, two things. Number one, we believe we need to be connected to somebody. And number two, in our country, it would be very helpful for us because that will give us some accountability and give us some credibility in our country as we continue to see God's kingdom advance. So we started talking about, okay, what does this look like? We've never done this before. I like doing new stuff. We've never done this before. What's that going to look like? Had to start pulling in all sorts of people. How do you ordain people out of it when they don't come here? And, it, and so we're building something brand new. It's totally transformational. It makes my head hurt from day to day, but it's super fun. Because as he got engaged into it, Sandile started talking to the church planters that he's working with, and they said, well, what is this all about? And they looked at, at who the brethren were, and they said, we were brethren all along. We just didn't know it. They're excited. So now we're starting a process, not just for him, but for them, that is going to, that, that we already know is taking root and is going to spread like wildfire. Because they're already talking about, not only do we have six church planters ready to start working, but two others are talking about going home. Going back to Mozambique and another one to Kenya. And we'd like to plant brethren churches there. Huh, Nixon, what are you doing? Isn't it kind of cool how God connects all these points? What is God doing? God, God is advancing his kingdom. And he's doing it in a time that should not be possible. And yet here we are. Uh, for those of you who may have heard, uh, during conferences here, general conference, our conference offering is all about South Africa. We're trying to raise $25,000 to help with these, the first launch of these first churches. We're going to help birth three to, three to five, maybe even more because God is awesome that way. Uh, but we're excited to do that and I wanted you to know that because that is what God is doing in this moment. God is planting churches around the world. God, God is always shaping the future. The problem for us, for most of us, me included, is that we're finite people, right? We have a beginning, we have a middle, we have an ending. Now hopefully, as, all things have, as the Bible has told us, the ending is really not the ending. It's just kind of an interlude. Then we get to go join uh, God in heaven. I have no idea what that looks like. There's all sorts of theories and, and pieces on that. I kind of want hope that God says, here, let me show you the universe for a little bit, and we'll just go on a, on a guided tour so I can show you how I made this thing, because that's what I really want to know. I don't know what heaven's going to be like, but it's going to be a lot of fun. God is always shaping the future, though, because even though he knows my beginning, middle, and end, your beginning, middle, and end. He also knows that our world has got a future that is far greater than any of us can ever see. It is riddled with all sorts of stuff. It's got moments of tragedy and unparalleled fear. But in the midst of the fear, God keeps saying, do not be afraid. I've got this because I'm always at work. God is always shaping the future. And he's doing some amazing things. 
You see, one of the things we started talking, one of the reasons that, that, uh, that Stephen and I started working about this was we wanted to change the way that, that we saw global partners. We didn't want them to just be mission places where we went and sent people and we kind of dictated. We wanted places where we could interconnect and we could develop uh, real relationships because you know what? Our partners around the world make us as whole as we make them. There are gifts and abilities that they have that we desperately need. When I went to, uh, to Argentina, it was so much fun to just praise and worship God and to feel the Holy Spirit connect in a, in, a, in a more powerful way than I can tell you I've ever had. When I went on my first mission trip to Mexico City in 2005, I found myself overwhelmed by joy and laughing for two hours straight. That was a very strange thing, and it's not happened since, uh, which is good because I was also laying on a very cold floor, um, which was fun. But it was amazing because I suddenly recognized this is outside of me. We need our partners to connect with us and help us see those pieces that we're missing as much as we can give to them. If you've ever been to India, I will tell you something. They are a people of prayer. And they change what prayer looks like in ways that I can't describe fully. Other than to say, when you have to ask God for your, your food daily, and you do it that way, and he provides, there's power in prayer. One of my best friends, Travis uh, uh, Smith in, in Colorado, good friend of mine growing up, contracted COVID. He had already had the, uh, the shot, the uh, Johnson & Johnson shot, so you would think that he would be okay, but has a few other health problems, so, you know, it's one of those, he's one of those guys who should not get this, this disease, got it anyway, was in the hospital, and they were just getting ready to put him on the vent. And his wife reached out to me and says, hey, would you, would you do me a favor? Travis needs some prayer. I said, I'll do more than that. I'm going to put this out to the church. So we're part of Five Stones Brethren Church, and I talked to, to Pastor Bill and told him, hey, I need you to do this. And then I reached out to Ama. That's mother in, in Telugu, by the way. Uh, uh, that's what I call Nirmala, Ama. And uh, said, Ama, I need some help. My best friend, one of my best friends growing up is very sick. And I know that right now you're dealing with all this, but if you could do me a favor... This is his name, and she said, she said, what's his full name? And I told her, it's Travis Smith. And she goes, all right, we have 60 ladies who get together on Zoom every week, uh, and we do four hours of praying and fasting on Zoom. And we're going to do this by name. Guess what? Yesterday he went home from the hospital. That's the power of prayer. That's what God is doing. We need that in our lives, in our churches. So our hope is to create something new. And if you go to the next slide, you'll see a little bit about that. Because on the horizon, God is, is always shaping the future. We're crea he's creating the, the Brethren World Council, which is what we're trying to, in development. It's not going to, you know, probably won't all exist the way I'd love, it to, love to see it exist in my time. And that's okay. Because my, my, uh, my job is not to, to make everything happen, but to just get it started and to hand it off to the next generation and say, all right, this is yours. Enjoy. That's the fun part of this. We've already begun to gather the, group, the, the uh, partners around uh, South, South America. We've had two assemblies of the brethren in, the, in, the, in America. So uh, two leaders from every, every uh, uh, 
country. Every region came together, except for Peru at the time. And we gathered together once in Colombia. We gathered together once in uh, 2019 in, in Argentina. And we talked. We talked about what God is doing in our lives. Where is, it, where is Satan attacking us? How can we pray for and help each other? How do we lift one another? And where are we going next? By the way, they're the ones who are leading things in, in uh, South America. Be in prayer for Chile. They're going through some rough patches right now. Their pastor has some significant medical issues. Uh, and we've already told Ama a little bit about that. So they're praying for him. Um, he's stepping away from ministry. Not, not quitting, just stepping away for a little bit of time. But I'm telling you what, these guys have already said, Hey, Scott, is it okay if we have this? You're there, I'm not. You just tell me what you need. If you need to travel, we'll find the funds. If you need some other way to connect, you tell me. We'll get you there. We have some resources. We can help you that way. You guys need to lead. So they're leading. This is in South America. This is what it's supposed to look like. And our hope is, and our, and our plan is, as we come out of this pandemic, as we begin to see the, the, the world kind of get back into some sense of, of whatever this next uh, way of being is going to be, we can start gathering our others. Because guess what? The guys in the Philippines, they heard about this. They're excited. They, went in, they want in on it. In fact, Pastor Gary, as things lift up, is going back to Malaysia for us to connect with the, the churches in Malaysia to see what we can do to rekindle that relationship. Because I don't know if you know, we have three congregations in, the, in Malaysia right now. They've been by themselves for a while now, and we want to see what we can do. It isn't about us doing it. There's, there's, the Philippines is just a hop, skip, and a jump away. So Gary's already said, can I go do that? I want to be a part of that. In South Africa, Sandalay is looking at other places. And how do we connect in with India? And I already told you, India is way bigger than you think it is. Lots of little churches here and there in villages, big churches in, the, in, the, in Rajamundri and in Vizak. Uh, but, but God is doing amazing things. So our hope is that in the future, uh, we're going to start seeing the first gathering of just a couple of leaders from every region, every country, come together, probably won't be in the U.S., just to talk and ask the very question we're talking about today. What is God doing? What is He doing in our ministries? How is he blessing us? How is he shaping us? How is he changing us? And where is he challenging us to go next? That's what God is up to. See, the truth is, God is up to something big. When we look in the scripture in John 5, Jesus says, And I just lost it, so there it is. <laughs> Jesus says, My Father is always at His work to this very day, and I too am working. My brothers and sisters, I want to tell you something. God is doing something big. He's always at work. He's always advancing His kingdom. It may sometimes feel wonky, and it may get frustrating, and I guarantee you, my brother Colin, I know the things that you and I talked about you went through. God is still doing something big in your life. He may take you to Ashland, Ohio from Wyoming in the middle of a pandemic, but he's still doing something big in your life. God is up to something big, and he's not done. 
Now, I'm going to be honest with you. I'm going to tip my hand. I tend to be a real Acts 1-8 guy. And in Acts 1-8, we see, you know, all of the disciples are gathered around Jesus, and Jesus giving his last little bits of, uh, of pieces, and then he ascends into heaven. And they're all staring into heaven, watching him, and watching him, watching him, and like, you know, squinting. If they had binoculars, they probably would have had those out. They're trying to see where is he, and the clouds came up, and we're like, can you still see him? No, no, that's a hawk. That, get out of there, bird. That, is he... And these two, two guys dressed in white walk up and just go, what are you doing? You guys, get. Jesus said he'll come back. He's going to do it in the same way. Trust me, you'll know when he's back. Get going. Be about the business of, the, of what he told you to do. Go and work with God because God is doing something big through you. There's a lot, of, a lot of people who are talking about signs and portents. I tend to be a guy who says, you know what, I don't have time to look for all the signs and the portents. I really don't have that kind of worry because right now all I want to know is that when Jesus comes back, I am found doing the work he told me to do. So that at the end of the day, he'll look at me and say, well done, good and faithful servant. Welcome home. Because that's what we all want at the end, right? At the end of the day, those are the words we want to hear. Well done. Well done, good and faithful servant. Welcome home. You can get a big, J, big Jesus hug, which I'm kind of excited about because, you know, just wrap my arms around him and I don't know if I'll ever get to let go of him. God is up to something big and he's always doing things. Final piece I want to leave you with. Matthew 28, 18 through 20. This is why I know he's up to something big. Jesus came to them and said, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations. Go. And the words here are not go and do this if you feel like it. Go if you're so inclined. It's No, go. And as you are going, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I have already commanded you because... Surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Our brothers and sisters around the world know this to their, especially as they live out much harsher conditions than we have. That God is with them, that God is for them. And at the end of the day, no matter what God has promised, I will never leave you. Now we're all, not all called to get out of here and go to Botswana or to Mozambique or those places. Some are. But you know what we are all called to do? We are all called to reach out to our families, to our loved ones, to our neighbors, to our friends, to, to the people around us. Because that's where God's asking us to partner with and to do something big. Is God at work? What do you guys think? Amen. Amen. I thank you so much for letting me come and speak. What a joy to be able to talk to you about this. Can we pray? Father God, Father, you are, you are always up to something big. It's way bigger than us. Sometimes it's so hard to see. When we are in the midst of the, of the turmoil that we see ourselves in, whether it's, it's political, whether it's uh, just financial, whatever it is that's going on, maybe it's medical, maybe it's just life seems to want to implode on us. You are still at work. Father, your scriptures tells us over and over again, do not be afraid. Do not be afraid, for I am with you.
Those very words in Matthew 28 say, Surely I am with you until the very end of the age. Father, help us to grab hold of that. Help us to remember that as we step out in faith, wherever we are, each and every day, to tell others about our story. You don't have to grab hold of people and scream at them. It's so much easier when we simply live out the values that you've instilled within us. Because then people come up and ask us, what is so different about you? And we can say, let me tell you about this encounter I had with this strange guy who loves me in spite of who I am. Father, we are seeing you at work around the world through church planting, through, through transforming lives and baptisms, adding to your kingdom daily. Lord, we are seeing you at work doing amazing things. And Father, we just ask in this moment, collectively, that you would bless our partners around the world. Bless those who are serving that we don't know. Pastors, congregations, and even individuals who are serving you even though it may cost them their lives. Father, we ask for protection over them. We ask that you would hold tight to them. Help them remember that you are there no matter what, even until that very end moment and beyond. Lord, I thank you so much for what you do here. Thank you for the opportunity we have to gather in this place at this time and ask that with this, this particular congregation in this moment, you would bless them mightily, Lord. That you would be among us, that your spirit would blow within us. Open our eyes to what you are doing each and every day and remind us our job is to join you where we see you. Father, all these things we offer in your son's precious name. Amen.